Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Here's where I want to go um, from, from reminding us that, that God's called us to know God, to build a family, to change the world. I want to focus on some of the, the knowing God part of this today. Um, and, and I'm going to turn to Hebrews 10. If you've got your Bibles and you can turn there, that'd be awesome. I'm going to read a few verses out of it. And, but I, I want to kind of give you an overview of what the chapter is up until um, the part that I'm going to read. I'm going to read verses 19 through 23 in a moment. But Hebrews 10... <clears throat> It kind of Hebrews is a powerful book, by the way. It's it's one of the most amazing books in the New New Testament that explains the theology and the understanding that from the spirit realm and from even the the religious realm, the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant, and the and the law of grace as opposed to the law of works. And I love this book. Romans and Hebrews, both of them. Are, are the probably the most loaded theological books for New Covenant lifestyle. Excuse me. Hebrews 10. All right, everything flows here. It is talking a lot about the, the priest and the tabernacle in the previous chapters, talking about the blood that was sacrificed and how that can't really suffice forever. So it talks about the practices of the law that could never satisfy the price of our guilt. But it got them through, pretty much to perpetually remind them that they still have sin. <laughs> but God got them through, right? All right? And, and then it, it talks about how we, only, we can only get free from our sin, not by the annual and regular sacrifices that the priests did in the Old Covenant. The only way to get rid of our sin and our guilt is through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I want to just say that the crucifixion, and the resurrection is the centrality of everything that God does in the kingdom. Okay, It is fundamental for all things kingdom related. The new covenant is what we live from. And then it talks about how after Jesus' sacrifice and he was resurrected, it says that he sat down at the right hand of God. So, so as we all know from the story that Jesus, after he resurrected, he spent some amount of days with his, his disciples and teaching them. And then they saw him ascend into the clouds and he disappeared. And it talks about how, how he was seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Above all principalities and powers and dominions on this earth, everything's under his feet, subjected to him. We've been talking about that in recent weeks. So here he is in Hebrews 10, now sitting at the throne of his Father, all right, in heaven, which, which by the way, is what this book, Hebrews book, uh, teaches us is the true Holy of Holies. So the Old Covenant tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, was the most desired and powerful and magnificent place that ever existed on this earth. All right, that was, that was a secret place. Only one person, the high priest, could ever go in there one time a year because it was so holy and he had to take the blood of, of the sacrifice in there. But that's where the Shekinah glory sat on that mercy seat throne of God on the earth. But that was just a replica of the real 
tabernacle, the real temple that wasn't made by the hands of man, but by God. And so when, when this talks about Jesus sitting on the throne and it talks about the blood of Jesus, it's actually referring to the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah glory, Kabod glory, seating place, the Holy of Holies. It's the, it's the throne room of God. Hallelujah. How many of you guys want to encounter God in that place? And, and we know that there's going to come a time when we're going to fully, on all levels, spirit, soul, and body, we're going to live in heaven and, and we're going to worship him for eternity in that place, which I'm excited about. But, but God um, has actually invited us to encounter him in that place right now. <laughs> I love it. And it talks about the new covenant. Um, Where's that verse at? All right, and it talks about because of Jesus' sacrifice and the blood of Jesus. It says, it says in verse 16, this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. In other words, it's not going to be about your striving works efforts anymore. It's going to be about I'm, gonna, I'm putting my spirit in your heart. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing a... This can be a work of the heart, an intimate connection, a heart and mind connection with God. He gives us his heart. He takes away the stony heart, puts in a heart of flesh. That's his heart, his spirit he puts in us. And the mind, um, he, he, he brings us into sync with the mind of Christ. And it, and it goes from, from a knowing, like an intellectual knowing, to a knowing, like an intimate knowing. Like, I, I know this person. I, I know this person from the spirit and heart level. Does that make sense? I love that. So the new covenant is, is less about works. It's less about striving. It's all about relationship. It's about intimacy. And he, and he continues about what the new covenant is. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. That's amazing. Because where they were trying to get atonement for their sins, time after time after time, Jesus' crucifixion was going to cover the entire thing, and it, and it releases forgiveness for every person who, who will receive it. And, and it doesn't just forgive. He says, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. That means God has released you from the shame and the guilt of everything that you failed in. All you have to do is, 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 is receive that by faith. It's a free gift we got to receive it and let it cleanse us and release us from all those things. Okay? That's an amazing covenant. And, and the thing that's awesome is it explains all that stuff to help us to understand that what used to be our barrier between us and God's presence was the, is the very thing that Jesus took care of on the cross. He answered the problem. He, 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 uh, he annihilated the very thing that was the distance factor. All right? He paid the price. We, none of us deserve it. All of us are guilty, by the way, I want to say this, of hell, eternity in hell. All of us would be guilty of this. All of us were doomed for hell. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. This is, this is scripture that I'm saying. I'm not making this up because of religion. But hallelujah that Jesus died on the cross and he, and he paid a price, a high price. And, it, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life. And so the, if somebody has to have eternal death or, or somebody has to die, or, or, or we could have that Jesus died for us. And I want to choose the one that he did. He's the substitute. All right. He paid the price. So with that said, I'm going to, I'm going to take that into verse 19 here because we have to have all that background for this next part. Verse 19, Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19, says, Therefore, brethren, that's you and me if you're a believer in Christ. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, the opposite of boldness is shame. Okay? He wants us to have boldness. Why, do we, why can we have boldness instead of shame? Because of Jesus forgiving us and, and, for, and remembering our sins no more. All right? It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what he's done. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, that's talking about the holy of holies, the real place, the, the, the throne room of God, the Shekinah, Kabod, weighty presence and glory, the, the center of the universe, the place where the king of kings rules all things. And, and he's made the earth his footstool. He sits seated in heaven. It's that place it's talking about. It says that, by, that we can have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the way and the only way that we can access His presence. Hallelujah. It's the way and the only way that we can be made worthy because otherwise, in and of ourselves, our righteousness is, is worth Filthy rags to God is what it says, all right? But Jesus has released to us, the, by the blood, He's released His righteousness to us. He's paid the price. He's made us worthy. We can enter in and stand with confidence and boldness before God's throne face-to-face -to, -face, to receive His presence and His love and His goodness. Praise God. Anybody happy about that? All right. And, and it happens, verse 20, by a new and living way which he, can, which he consecrated for us through the veil. See, in the Old Covenant, under the Old Tabernacle, there was a, a curtain that separated the holy place where they ministered daily to go into the Holy of Holies where one priest could go one time a year. It's the holiest, holiest place. The veil separated it because it needed to keep it holy and sanctified and clean and, and pure, all right? But, but this says that we get to enter in by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Hallelujah. Now that's crazy because it says a new and living way and the reason why it says that His flesh is the way in and the only way that could happen is because He died on that cross, okay? The cross became our entrance in by the blood of Jesus, but it says a new and living way because he resurrected. And it's through the resurrected Christ. We get to pass through the death of Christ, leaving behind all the junk that he needed to forgive us for, leaving behind the stuff that he forgave and that he's remembering no more. How do you get to the place where he remembers it no more? It's don't be where it is. You pass through, it comes off of you. It's not who you are anymore. God, the reason God doesn't remember it is because it's not who you are on this side of the crucifixion and resurrection, passing through him into that place where we can abide in his presence. It breaks off our identity, all right? 
It's not, he doesn't remember it because that's not you in Christ. I love that. <laughs> wow. So we're passing out of the death realm where the cross, the crucifixion, it takes it off of us. We pass through it, the doorway of his flesh. The resurrection side of this thing is, brings us into that, the glory realm, the throne room of God. We get to enter in with boldness. We were in shame on this side of the cross where our sins and our, everything that we were guilty of, that was shameful side, but passing through and receiving his full work, we enter in with boldness. We take off shame. We take on boldness, confidence. I get a, I, that's not who I was. He doesn't, he doesn't look at me as that person anymore. That person died. I came into who I am now in Christ. I've been, all those things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new because I'm a new creation. That's not who I am anymore. That, that died. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me because I've passed through to this side. Now I get to experience, wow, His glory, His goodness, His full acceptance. Thank you, Lord. This is, this is the place that He wants us to live from. This is the place he wants us to live from. Verse 21, it says, And having a high priest over the house of God, chapter 4 says that Jesus is the high priest who intercedes for us continually. And he, it says that he understands all of our weaknesses because he has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. So he actually understands the things that we face and, and he can identify with the things that burden us or that make us ashamed or whatever. He can identify with those, but he's the high priest over God's house interceding for us on our behalf, helping, helping God and us stay in, in, connected with this reality that we're not on that, the death side of the cross anymore. We've passed through onto the resurrected new nature side in his presence. Come on. This is making me feel good. Verse 22, let us draw near. Who are we drawing near to? God, His throne, His presence. Let's draw near with a true heart. Okay? A true heart. That means living in the truth, the fullness of everything that He actually has done for us through that cross. Because if, we, if, we, if we're trying to, if, we're, if our mindsets stay connected with our old man, we're not living in truth anymore. If we're still thinking that the, the, this old thing is who we are still or, or we're still behaving in those kind of ways, we're not living in truth. We need, to, we need to line up with the truth of our new nature, our new life in Him. So, so let's draw near with a true heart, a heart that really is fully wanting truth, wanting connection with God and everything He's done for us. Drawing near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So, so it's when we believe from this side that we have an evil conscience, all right? But, but through the blood of Jesus, that, where that passageway is, He sprinkles us, He cleanses us in the blood of Jesus to get that guilty conscience, that evil conscience off of who we are and our bodies are washed with pure water. Our bodies are washed with pure water. So he wants to, anytime that we, we whether intentionally or unintentionally, we step, we kind of, we dabble back and forth, wh whether we're trying to do things 
that are not okay with God or we're just or our, our mindsets are just forgetting our reality. He wants to he wants to cleanse us from an evil conscience and to wash us, wash our bodies with pure water so that none of that stuff is tainting us anymore. Amen. So, I'm going to read the next verse in a moment, but I just want to pause and just think about that right now. I want us to pause and think about that this is actually what the, the gospel is all about. The good news is that this place that it says that Jesus has actually given us full access to live, that we can come boldly into His presence and, and without shame, cleansed of, of the old nature, the old mindsets, all that stuff. We can live on this side in full immersion of the fullness of God. And if God looks at you, that's who He sees you to be as His children. Are the people who should and can and do dwell in that place. <clears throat> I love it. No God. No God. Let's, let's be people who are, expanding, who are advancing the kingdom first by hosting His presence. How do you host His presence? Let me say this. It, it can only happen by believing that this is who we are, that we're people who live on, on the resurrected side, the, 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 the body of Jesus that we have passed through that crucifixion into the resurrection actually was the doorway into the, the holiest place. Like, like that was your door in. We don't have to work hard to try to get before the Lord we need to come into alignment with our reality of what He's already done for us and that He sees us. That's who we are. So if we're, if we're not living from that place, it means that our belief or our actions have dabbled with the old. And, and it's not shame on you. It's get back to who you are. Get back to where I see you to be. Get back to your reality because God's the one who defines reality. Amen? From that place, we, we get to live. We get to enjoy his love, His, his acceptance, his, uh, his peace towards us, His grace and mercy towards us. We get to enjoy the, the strength that He bestows to us. We get to enjoy that intimate connection with Him. It's no longer about serving Him by works. It's about enjoying that, the heart and mind, the, the intimate union with Christ, that, that dwelling relationship with God. He, he wants us to remember to live from that place. And, and honestly, like that's, that's where the overflow has got to start from. That's where we live from. If we live from that place, it's up to us. That's why I was saying overflow is a promise, but it, but it has responsibility. In context of this, what is that responsibility? It's staying connected with this truth and this reality. Living in that place of truth and receiving it by faith and trusting that, that we're going to experience what we're believing as it lines up with truth. Is this encouraging to anybody? Yes. Come on. So with, with a knowing God in this passage, I want to, I want to say that the, the first part about what, what I'm reading here, because I'm going to read one more verse in a moment that's going to hit another point. The first point about knowing God 
is that he's invited us into intimacy and union and fellowship with him. And we get to worship him from that place. Worship is not meant to be a chore. It's meant to be a relational exchange. Amen. Um, from that place, we need to also understand that knowing God is from that intimacy that another part of knowing God is actually knowing his promises to us. Okay? Knowing his promises to us. And that's where I want to continue here. Um, <clears throat> verse 23. You've got to read 23 in context with what we just read that is from that abiding intimate place in his glory that full acceptance the papa papa has, has brought us into his arms and he he keeps us close to him that heart exchange from that place verse 23 it says let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful Amen. i want to read that again this verse has become a real foundational verse for me in the season I've been in. Let us hold fast the confession, the, the declaration, the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I want to say this again. To know, to know God at first needs to come through that intimacy, that heart connection with Him, and, then, and worship. And then it also needs to be that we know Him and we know His promises to us. All right? Knowing Him intimately and knowing His promises to us. And I think that a lot of times people get that backwards and they're focused more on His promises and then Him. Well, it actually needs to be know Him and then know His promises for it to actually work God's way. And I think sometimes when people get that backwards, they're like, well, why is anything happening? And, and God's like, hey, it's, all, it's about love first. It's about seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. Okay, so there's that intimacy of knowing Him and being connected to Him before, before the promises. But we can't know Him without knowing His promises because that's part of the, the exchange of the, of the life He's given us. All right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I want to remind us of Joseph of Genesis, who, when he was just a young lad, I think he may have been maybe around 17 years old or something, um, he had two dreams. He, had, he already had a lot of favor in his life. He, he was a brother of 12, and his, his parents loved him more than the rest and gave him a, a multicolored robe, and that must have been some special thing. Um, but, uh, but, but so his brother's already jealous of him, but then God gives him two dreams. And in the dreams, he saw, um, he, he saw the sheaves of, of whatever the crop was, wheat or whatever. And the, there was, he said he saw 11 sheaves and his sheave, or his sheave was big and theirs came and bowed to him. And then another night, shortly after that, he had another dream maybe it was the same night, where he saw the moon and, and the sun and 11 stars bow down to him. <laughs> and he's stoked. He's like, man, I've got some destiny on my life. Something's going to happen. And, and he goes and he tells his family, like, who wouldn't want to 
share this encounter with God and the promise. Like, like if, you, if you're in a, in a culture of honor, that would be celebrated. Unfortunately, his family didn't have a culture of honor. And they actually got super jealous. And they, they actually got really bitter towards him and hated him for it. And so they persecuted him. And they tried to kill him, but then they decided to sell him off into slavery to an Egyptian crew. And, and you guys probably know the story, but, but he ended up being a, a slave for a few years and was not treated super well, but God gave him favor. He, he, he submitted himself to the Lord in the process, and, and he stayed faithful to the Lord. And the Lord elevated him. And then, and then the Potiphar's wife tried to corner him, and she, she falsely accused him to her husband that he tried to rape her. And, and then he got put in prison, which is like the worst of the worst place. It wasn't like our nice prisons. Now it was a dungeon, like a big pit in the ground. Um, they, don't, they didn't take care of people there. And so it was horrible. But he was in prison for many years. And, and like, could you imagine how he felt when, when he had this promise from the Lord, how he must have felt that he thought he was about to move forward in this promise, and then opposition hits him and sets him not, not one step back. It almost crushed him into the ground. And some, there, I don't know how long the span was between when he got the promise and, and when it got fulfilled, because after he was a prisoner, he interpreted some dreams with the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh loved him after that and promoted him to become the second man in charge of the entire nation. Like, that's crazy. He became the probably actually the most powerful person in the world at that time because even the Pharaoh was, was following his guidance. That's pretty wild. And eventually his brothers and his parents did come begging for help, and they bowed to him, and they didn't even know who he was. So that's crazy, but I've, I've actually heard that um, it could have been anywhere from 13 to 22 years of time span between the dream, the promise, and the fulfillment. You know, we're in 2020, and we're in a, we're in a day and an age where if we, if we think somebody, if, if we get a promise and it doesn't come to pass or, or op, opposition happens, opposite things happen, and, and we think, well, okay, I guess that promise wasn't real. And then people give up. And, and uh, I, I, think that, I think that our modern culture and society is, has really been brainwashed over the years to lose touch with how God works. Because God is not quite in the same kind of hurry that we're in. And, and faithfulness and, and, and faithful Faithfulness to promises isn't always at the snap of a finger. And honestly, like part of what God is looking for in his people to see his promises come through is to see if we're going to put ourselves into the processes of life that he, is, that he needs to see. And, and God wants to see character in us. And character is proven through hardship. Character is proven through enduring through things that seem to oppose everything that God's promised. It, it, it 
it takes faithfulness to God and faithfulness to His promises, faithfulness to His Word, despite anything that feels like a setback or a push against. To, to, to hold on and cling and, and not give up and to, and to stay faithful and to keep moving forward and to not let things define who we think we are, what, who, what we think God's promises are. Joseph could have immediately thought, oh, those dreams was just pizza last night. <laughs> Goat cheese pizza. He could have. He, he, the, the moment they threw him in the pit and then they sold him to the slaves and he's off and his dad thinks he's dead so he's not even going to think that he could try to find him. He's screwed. And he, he could have he let go of his dream. He could have decided, oh, I, that, that wasn't God actually. I, must, I thought it was, but now this has proven that it wasn't. But that's not what happened. He believed who God said he was. And he believed what God has promised. And for some 13 to 22 years, however long that is, whichever one it is, that's a long time. When everything looks like, you, you think that God's promised you to enter royalty and, and, you're, and, and you find yourself in, a, in slavery. Or you find yourself in prison indefinitely probably and and you're you're wondering like how how in the world could that dream and that promise that God gave me how could that happen this says everything against what I thought God said and and but but Joseph held on by faith he held on he locked on to the promise no matter what everything that came against him he had to keep believing I know who God said I am I know what God said is going to happen held on. He kept believing. And I want to tell you guys that the, the fact is um, it, it, the bigger the promise, the more the need for perseverance. The more the need to anchor ourselves deeply in God and in what He said to see that thing through. Amen? I mean, Many of you probably have heard our stories, Jessica's and mine, but, but even our personal journey of getting here to where we're at right now, like it, I, I moved, Jessica and I moved to Redding, California in 2009. I did three years of BSSM, uh, graduated my third year, 2012. And at that time, we actually thought um, that God was calling us and going to have us uh, move to Ohio because we, we thought there was going to be a a ministry position open up and, and we felt like God was saying after my internship, it's time to step into my calling. And well, it didn't happen. And then we stayed in Reading because that's where God said, stay faithful, stay faithful to the season you're in. We stayed faithful and we kept praying into this, Lord, I know you've called us to, to plant and pioneer your ministry. I know you've called us to be revivalist and spread your kingdom and advance it and and, and stir other people up and raise up a, an army of sons and daughters of God who are changing the world. And, and, and we knew it, and we've, I've known it for a long time. And, but year after year, the Lord's like, it's not time yet. Stay faithful to what you're doing now. Thankfully, 
our endurance that we needed was in was at Bethel Church, so that's not like a bad place to have to endure through. But God kept saying, it's not time yet, it's not time yet, but, but stay faithful. I want to tell you that the seasons that God puts us in, that he allows us to be in, even if they don't feel like it's fulfilling our dreams, he's doing it because he's storing things into you. He's deepening your roots and your foundations. He's, he's creating into you the value systems of God. He's, he, he allows us to get stretched at times. He allows us to, uh, to, he needs to see if we can endure because that's where character is forged in our spirits. All right. And character and maturity and intimacy with God is what's going to be able to help us be in a place where we can actually handle the weight of the things that he wants to do in our lives. So what's, what we thought was going to be 2012 launching out from Bethel into our calling ended up being 2018. <laughs> that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of a weight. I'm thankful for those years. But we were eager the whole time. Lord, not because we wanted to leave Bethel, but because we wanted to launch out from Bethel and take that somewhere under the covering. And, but, but we every year we're praying, Lord, let it be this year. Lord, let it be this year. Where are you sending us? What are we doing? And he's like, what I'm doing is, is you got to stay longer. I need, to, I need you to stay faithful. I need you to keep putting yourself into this because I'm doing deeper things in you. When it's time, you're going to be ready. So 2018. That's six years. God actually put the, the seed of the dream into my heart to plant the church in, in 1999. How long is that? 18 years, I think. Did I do that math right? I think it's 18 years. 19 years. Something like that. Somewhere around that. I think it was 19 years. Now, I'm not saying that these time frames are what equals for everybody's. And, and the thing is that God gives promises along the way, and every promise has a different season, different gestation period, a different preparation period, a different measure of, of character that needs to be tried and true before it's time for that thing to happen. And the Lord gave us dreams along the way that got, that got fulfilled incrementally, and I want to tell you, like, when we came here to plant this church, like, that's a huge dream fulfilled. But now we come here with new dreams about greater promises beyond this. And we are so far from seeing that stuff fulfilled. And so we've got a whole new set of trials and, and testings and endurance that needs to happen to see that stuff happen. Praise God. He's been faithful to answer the promises in the right times. Now there's more promises Hallelujah. I love promises. We got, from, we got to get from here to where they are. All right. There's, there's the right here and there's the horizon. How do you get over there? Well, it's going to take endurance, guys. I want to get back to that Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. If you have a promise from God and it really is a promise that God has given you, it scares the devil to death because he knows that, that thing is a weapon that's going to crush him. And, and he wants to do anything he can to bring opposition and resistance to that. And, and so there, there, whether it's because the enemy resists us or just because the world doesn't want to make it easy for us, it's not all the devil, 
but, but there's going to be trials, there's going to be challenges, and God's calling on us to believe that promise and to, and to stay faithful, to, to let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God has promised, and he's faithful. He's faithful. And it's not a question of if he's faithful. The question is, will we be faithful to not waver in our anchoring ourselves to our hope and the, and the confession of that? You guys hear that? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. I'm just trying to weigh out how much I should go into from here, just time's sake. I want to I want to, want to turn over to Second Peter chapter one. I'm going to read verses three through eight. <clears throat> As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What a promise that is. Okay? Through the knowing of him, that's not talking about head knowledge, it's talking about that intimate knowing him, the understanding of him. Through the knowing of him who called us by glory and virtue. Hallelujah. Can you guys remember that place that Hebrews 10 talked to us about where we are in Christ on this side of the veil, on this side of the old nature and the sin and the guilt and the shame, on this side in the full acceptance the identity as children of Him in, in Christ. Hallelujah. From that place. Keep that in mind here. By which have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So God's given us exceedingly great promises. You guys have promises. That through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's our identity. His DNA, the divine nature of the Almighty. It's who who we are in Him. We're children of of God. Partakers of the divine nature. So staying connected with our reality, our connection with God in that place, right? Having escaped the corruption that's on that side, that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving giving all diligence. Now listen. Listen. Because he's given us precious, exceeding precious promises, all right? I want you guys to think about that. God's promises to you, whether they're from the word or that you know that he is, he's breathed into you. That ruach, breath of God that has breathed into you in that revelation, that encounter place where, where you know that you're, where your identity and your destiny are going to have to converge, Okay? The great and exceeding precious promises of God. I want you to, I want you to know like God has dreams for your life. And, and from that place, now we've got to see this. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And virtue could also be called moral excellence. To virtue or moral excellence, add knowledge. The, the knowing of him, to knowledge, self-control. Oh man, 
because there's where that, that right there is where, where some price is. I've got to have self-control. I've got I to gotta rein my life in. I've got to keep myself in a place that, that's not getting out of control. Mentally, attitude, action. I've got to stay honed in and focused. That word meekness means strength under restraint, so self-control. I'm strong, but I'm honing it in so I can focus where my life needs to be. Self-control. Add to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance. That's a word that sucks. <laughs> Especially with modern culture. Nobody wants to have to persevere through anything. But this is a key. Perseverance is a key to getting to the promises that God's given us. And add to perseverance, godliness. There's responsibility in this. Godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. See, God is expecting to see us manage ourselves and steward our lives and to anchor ourselves to Him and to His promises that we have to put ourselves into this in order to see the promises come to pass. I've, I've talked about this in the past, that God's promises usually are not just going to fall into our lap. We have to catalambano them is a word I was using. It means to, it means to really reach out and, and like push into something and seize it and apprehend it and grab it for yourself. Part of that catalambano, that seizing and apprehending, is these things. Um, diligence, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Like we have responsibility your, your destiny, your promises are not just going to fall in your lap. They're not going to just accidentally happen. It's not going to happen by passive, content Christianity. It's going to happen by us honing our lives in and living like Jesus and pushing ourselves into God and towards Him. And, and I want to say that I'm thankful that even those verses, they, they can sound like striving, old covenant, works kind of words if you think about this from a wrong perspective. But the right perspective comes from Galatians 5, which says that by the Spirit, we bear the fruits of the Spirit. So it comes through that, that abiding in the vine and drawing that. It comes from being in that place that we were describing, living that heart connection with Papa, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit in the Shekinah, the, the Holy of Holies, living from that place, the fruits of the Spirit will come forth and their love and peace and patience, kindness. There's all those things, the joy. But, but it talks about self-control and perseverance. Fruits of the Spirit, perseverance. Whoa. <laughs> There's responsibility here. But the Holy Spirit empowers us by grace to do these things through relationship so we've got to stay connected in the vine. And this is where I want to get to. This is my last, my last verse for now. Verse 8. If these things are yours, for if these things, talking about those, those virtues that we're, put, we're putting ourselves into this, we're paying the price, right? If these things are yours and they abound, you will, neither be, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So just a reminder, the precious promises, if we partake of the precious promises, or if, we're, if we hold to those precious promises, we are partakers of a divine nature. So we're, we're putting ourselves into this. We're pursuing these things. We're becoming part of this, this thing with God. And, and uh, through, through that intimate connection, we're receiving his promises and we, we engage with them. We put ourselves into them. We're actually participating. We're partaking of that divine nature and we'll see this thing come to pass. He says, if you do these things, you will neither be barren or unfruitful. That means that, that means that God has impregnated you with vision, with dreams, with promises. He's sown seed into you. And, and with seed, the seed has the promise contained within it, but, but it's not the manifestation of it. It's in us, but it's through this living this life, honing in, staying consistent, staying faithful, not wavering, holding fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful, he will, he will see us through. We will not be barren. That means that we, that we will give birth to these things. We will bear much fruit in these things you guys hear in my heart part of knowing God really is about experiencing him it's about being in that abiding intimate place and part of knowing God is knowing his promises and us engaging with that and and being faithful he, he's faithful he who promised is faithful but we have to be faithful to anchor ourselves to those words and staying connected with Him. If we stay connected with Him, we anchor to the Word. We're going to get through this thing. We don't know how long it's going to take, but you will not be barren. You will not be unfruitful. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. That's my word. Thank you, Lord. So, where, where did I want to go with this? I think right now, how I want to close this time, and, and then we're about, to, we're about to close this service here. Um, I actually want to ask the worship team to come over here. And do you guys, I want to, I want to tell you, that, that song, Waymaker, is exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Where, where is, I just, I wrote down some of the lyrics on here. I want to say them real fast. Um, he is, he's the Waymaker. He's the Miracle Maker. I don't know if I said that right. He's the Promise Keeper. And he's the light in our darkness. This is who he is. And I want us to sing that. And I want you to engage with that. I want you to connect with God in the intimate place with him and also with the promises and engage with that he's faithful and that we're going we're gonna to link up and be faithful with him to see these things through to the end because that's where we're going to see the world get changed. It's not going to happen to us. We're going to have to happen to it.